Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the podcast that follows the money behind the beautiful game. I'm Kevin Day, the beautiful one, and he's Kieran Maguire, the game one. Uh, Kieran, how are you, the Baron? I'm, I'm very good apart from being woken up at 5.30 next door because uh, we've got a cockerel oh, next door um, and donkeys. So the cockerel went off at half five, followed by the donkeys because he clearly woke those up. So I've been up ever since. Well, you know my views on living in the country. You deserve everything you get, basically. You shouldn't have railway stations, you people. If you choose to live in the country, everything should be hard to get to. Very much basically. so. Um, also, this is, uh, and this is a note for Guy, our producer, who's listening to this, presumably for edit purposes, before he goes out. Stop saying, say hello to Kieran. <laughs> Sends a little guide script, and in it, in brackets, block capital, say hello to Kieran. Hello, Kieran. Kieran, before we start, I must warn you, my son is about to leave. That'll be noisy. Right. Um, uh, the young lady who lives with us is coming back from dumping her boyfriend, so that might be noisy. And my wife is coming back from tour, so that might be noisy. Which is all another message to, to Guy to say, cough up for a studio. <laughs> We're monetizing this now, we can afford it, basically. Well, when I came up on the train, I was looking for Wi-Fi, and normally you get Southern Wi-Fi, and one of them came up, my boyfriend cheated on me, he's a rat, as, oh, wow. as, the, as the name oh, of really? the Wi-Fi network, which was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> anyway, coming up, football-wise, let's get on. We take a look at the recent shenanigans at Derby County, including its charge for rule-breaking. Pep Guardiola says he would scrap the League Cup. Would that leave us shortchanged? President of La Liga says FIFA and the richest clubs are a danger to the game. And should Ed Woodward still be in a job? Now, Kieran Derby, I'm not sure if shenanigans are the right words because that sort of implies light-hearted mucking about and it's, it's, getting, it's getting beyond that now, isn't it? So what's the latest on the Derby situation? Well, Derby have now been charged by the EFL with a with uh, a breach of financial regulations. And I think initially everybody thought this was just going to be with regards to the sale of Pride Park. And I think we've discussed this before, yes. that, that clubs are selling the grounds to themselves. That is legal. That's within the EFL rules. But it's got to be at a fair price. Um, the, the noises which are coming out of the EFL, which are presumably being leaked to the press, is that the EFL thinks Pride Park is worth £49 million and Derby sold it for eighty one. Mm-hmm. So if... Just to go back, so you say you think it's related to that, but we don't know what the breach specifically is they're being charged with, is that right? Well, Derby have said... It, it's not only that, but oh, also right. in, in the way that they deal with uh, player transfers, which which is unique. The other 91 clubs deal with it one way. Um, and as Mel Morris has famously also said, there is the Derby way um, of, of dealing with uh, football. Uh, and that appears to upset the EFL. What is the Derby way? Um, I, know we've, I know we've talked about the famous Tom Ince making his mum cheese scout way. But <laughs> apart from that, what is the Derby way? Well... What uh, what normally happens is that if if you sign a player for uh, let's say you sign a player for ten million pounds on a four year contract, um, you, you say well the cost is effectively two and a half million quid a year, and that's what they refer to as amortisation, and all the other clubs do that. Yeah. Um, what Derby have said is that it's not two and a half million quid because at the end of the contract we think we can flog him uh, for six million, eight million quid or so ever, um, and that's fine except we're living in the world of Bosman. 
Mm. And what can happen at the end of a Bosman? You can walk away for nothing. So how Derby can feel that they can sell players uh, for a fee at the end of a contract is is, a, is bewildering. Um, and, and the impact that that has is it reduces their costs, which allows them to spend more money on other things and still be within the FFP limit. I'm almost welled up there when you said Bosman. I, I haven't heard that name for... See, you remember how worked up we got? When, that, when all that happened, the Bosman stuff, it's all we talked about for a year, and now it's suddenly it's just part of the game. So for anxious Derby fans listening to this, what's the potential punishment? Well, there's a variety of choices available, and that will be determined by a uh, adjudication panel, uh, of whom Derby appoint one person, the EFL appoint one person, there's one independent. Oh, okay. So it's not the EFL actually punishing themselves. Um if we completely disregard the sale of the stadium, which I think is the worst case scenario, mm. Derby are looking at what I reckon is, is an 11 point penalty, which will be quite significant towards without, the, without the sale of the stadium. Without the sale of wow. the stadium. So if you disregard the profits from there. But if you factor in this. £49 million, pounds, which uh, is, is being leaked to the press. Now, if that is accurate, I think we're only looking at 3 or £4 million, But that's purely to do with the stadium. We've then got this issue to do with the player sales, and that could be, that could be anything in terms of points. And then finally, there's um, what the EFL call uh, aggravating factors, mm. which is, have you deliberately tried to mislead us have you tried to mislead the uh, the uh, the panel um and that could be up to a further nine points um so that's that's the worst case scenario but they've also got the good step as well as the naughty step in what they call mitigating factors um so when we look at what happened with birmingham city last season they had their points reduction reduced because mm, they yeah. actually they actually did the equivalent of bringing yourself into the police station and yeah. saying i think you need to have a chat with me about something so what it could be, I mean, I think best case scenario for Derby would be three or four points deduction. And I think if you, if you spoke to a Derby fan today, they'd bite your hand off for that. That's interesting. Now, so presumably in these discussions, the chap that Derby or lady that Derby uh, nominated will be sitting there going, this is a bit harsh, isn't it? And the independent one will be going, I'm well, not entirely bothered. So it is the league, in, in a sense, that's deciding it, isn't it? That's right. I mean, I, I think uh, bo- both parties are allowed to have, have good representation right. by, by being able to nominate them. Um, Derby, my understanding, have got the best, uh, the best legal team in the country. Um, and therefore, I think if, if anybody can can put a case for them that these guys will do so. Now, where does Dwayne Rooney transfer fit in, in the Derby way? Is this a transfer that's been done in normal circumstances? Is it a, a everyday transfer? Because you wouldn't necessarily assume that Wayne Rooney would end his playing career at Derby County, would you, a year ago? No, I think the issue with Derby County and Wayne Rooney is that he, he's still a very talented player. If you saw what he was doing in the MLS, he, he still clearly got it. Well, I saw him uh, in a dreadful, dreadful third round FA Cup game against Derby County when he was the best player on the pitch by a country mile. Well, absolutely. So he, he's still he's still not old, old. He, mm. you know, he's, yeah, yeah. And um, he's very much got a footballing brain. Uh, but his his wages you would expect to be fairly significant. What has happened is that uh, Derby's sponsors, Thirty Two Red, it appears that they have what's referred to as a star player clause, which if Derby recruited a player of the stature 
of Wayne Rooney. All of a sudden, the, the sponsorship paid by 32 Red, that increases significantly as well. So the accusation being made is that whilst 32 Red aren't directly paying his wages, they are indirectly making a significant contribution. And it just so happens that he's wearing the number 32 mm. shirt. And the people who are feeling very uncomfortable with the, the dependency on, of the game on the betting industry, uh, they're getting very upset about it. And, and we've seen um, ministers uh, going on television mm. and radio, and, and I've been doing similar, I've been dragged on myself, um, to look at the, the impact that, uh, that betting now has on the game. I listen to Radio 3 as well as Five Live and TalkSport. I don't know what I've heard more recently, Beethoven or you, to be perfectly honest, you're all over the place. But the charity commissioner involved in the 32 Red sponsorship, they've, they've uh, suggested some unease with it as well, haven't they? Well, they have. I mean, uh, 32 Red contribute £100,000 towards Derby's community scheme. Now, that's a good thing. Anybody yeah. that's paying for that is yes, a good yeah. thing. Uh, I think the argument goes is that a lot of the reasons why people end up in uh, in some form of social care, uh, going to the NHS, you, you've got the, the 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 dark side of gambling as well. Um, though, so are, are effectively thirty two red just paying a, a token amount of money? Is, is it the equivalent mm. of mm. of Pablo Escobar uh, building hospitals in schools where in the, in the town where he grew up while still running a drug trade, trying to get some form of mm. legitimacy? So. It's only appeared in one newspaper. Nobody actually is sure whether the Charity Commission it has genuinely opened an investigation. Mm. But it's, it's the story in town, gambling and football. Are we going back to the 1970s in terms of the way that we had to the tobacco industry mm. effectively forced mm. out of sponsoring sport? 32 Red are very visible, aren't they, throughout football? How many, how many clubs are you allowed to sponsor? Are there rules on... There, there are there are no rules in terms of the, the clubs uh, an individual sponsor can have uh, a relationship with. So clearly they they're involved in the Scottish Premiership in terms of sponsoring yeah. Glasgow Rangers, um, and, and they've got a, they've got a suite of clubs, you know, Leeds and Derby and, and others in the Championship as well. Um, it, it's quite cheap to sponsor a club uh, in the Championship. You should be able to get a deal for for you know, a million pounds uh, a season, and, and all of a sudden there's an awful lot of EFL matches being. Being, mm. being broadcast and, and your 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 brand is being seen. So I find that quite interesting because there are rules and all sorts of things, as we'll discover in a, a later pod, about how many clubs you can pay for, etc. Financial fair, but but there's, so technically, there's nothing to stop Paddy Power sponsoring every club in the Premier League and 32 Red sponsoring every club in the Championship. That's right. I mean, it, it would be prohibitively expensive right. because Chelsea, uh, they've just changed their shirt sponsors. Um, they're going to the the telecoms company three. They did a, mm. was it Yakamoto Tires, mm. um, and I think they're on around about 50 million pounds a season. So whilst Paddy Power could do it, I, I think they probably view it as being a too expensive. And if you take a look at what what we see in the Premier League, the elite clubs are being sponsored by global brands and the non-elite clubs are being sponsored by... Member X, yeah. Uh, I, I find this quite interesting. Now, this is, a, this is an exaggerated and extreme scenario, but Derby County and Leeds United are playing against each other at Wembley in the playoff final. 32 Red, I guess, would rather have Leeds United in the Premier League than Derby County, there, there must be a potential for conflict of interest there, surely, isn't there? No, not really. If I, I've, I've spoken to some chief executives of, of Premier League clubs, and they say 
once you once you get there, it, it's 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 just a bun fight. The the sponsors don't really care uh, who they're sponsoring, so long as they 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 can be fairly guaranteed to be broadcast live in the UK a dozen times a year. Right. Now. With the best will in the world, it doesn't make a lot of difference whether you're Everton, Newcastle or West Ham because you're not United, Chelsea, mm. uh, Manchester City and Liverpool. So th- there is sort of a pecking order in terms of the number of matches which are broadcast live and, and the sponsors know that and they bargain the price down accordingly. Right, one last question on Derby because we do have other things to get to. Um, the discrepancy between Derby's valuation and the EFL's valuation is is there a scenario in which an independent valuation is given and Derby have to repay the difference between that? You know, if if Derby clearly have given themselves an extra thirty million quid, and the year, so or, or once the point deduction happens, is that kind of overrules any of that financial stuff? That's right. Once once the commission makes their decision, that's fine. Right. Okay. On, on all that has happened with uh, with the sale of the stadium is that Mel Morris has two bank accounts and he's transferred eighty million pounds from one bank account to another one of his bank accounts. So so he's no better or worse off. It's a bit like you or I sticking sure. twenty pounds in an ISA. Um, you know, we're we've got we're no better or worse off than before. That's it. I don't know much about Mel Morris. I, I know that Simon Jordan likes him, and that's enough for me. Frankly, now Pep Guardiola. Uh, is in that lucky situation where basically they're playing a lot of games at the moment, Man City, and he's basically said, although to his credit, he's always taken the League Cup seriously and he always put strong sides out, but he's basically said, why why don't we just scrap it? Um, from what you said, if the, if the Champions League is expanded as much as they want it to expand, the League Cup, or whatever it's called, is the most likely competition to go, certainly for clubs outside the Premier League. Um, financially, what difference would that make? Because it... it it's strange because they might as well call it the Premier League clubs. It's been so long since the Championship club won it. But what, what's financially, how would it affect a club like Palace, for example, or a club like Swindon? Well, when, when Palace come into the uh, Carabao Cup, which is round two, if they win it, they get £7,000. So with the best will in the world, it's, it's insignificant. Yeah. And that's why clubs are putting out weak teams. The difference between finishing 13th and 14th in the Premier League is 2 million quid. So you can see the Carabao Cup is is simply just not on their radar. Mm. Even if you win it, you're only going to get 100 grand. The only other benefit if you win it is, of course, that you would then qualify for the Europa League. But if you talk to people at Burnley, if you talk to the management at Burnley, the worst thing that ever happened to that club was actually having to play in the Europa Cup because it disrupted their week-to-week uh, activities as far as the Premier League is concerned, and, and that's all they're interested in. Mm. All right, a, a wider scale, continental, the president of La Liga has made quite a big claim saying that FIFA and the biggest clubs are a danger to football. What's he talking about? Well, um, Tebas, who he, he likes, uh, he, he likes talking and coming out with with stuff new, which is which is which is fine. Which is basically what we're doing. For <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, he his concern with regards to FIFA is that FIFA are trying to challenge UEFA uh, with the introduction of a twenty four team FIFA Club World Cup. Jeez, right. Now, presently, it's four teams. Yeah. So, uh, I think that would take place could take place in the summer. Um, so therefore, presently we have every two years the uh, the, the Europa, so the European uh, Cup, 
Yeah, every every other two years we've got the World Cup, and now he's saying that he wants to fill those gaps with the uh, with the FIFA World Cup with twenty four teams, and that would be drawn clearly from UEFA, South America, North America, Asia, and so on. Is this FIFA led or is it club led? Um, I think this is FIFA led because FIFA see the amount of money that the Champions League generates, and they're thinking to themselves: if, if you take a look at FIFA's accounts, and there's one person in this room that does that on a regular basis, what what that person sees is that FIFA lose money three years out of every four because they've not got very much coming in. And of course, when the World Cup takes place, that subsidises the rest. Well, there's an issue. So presumably. The only money they would get out of this is going to be broadcasting rights because there will be very few Barcelona fans or Liverpool fans travelling to Venezuela or to the Far East for the for the away game in this. Or are they talking about a tournament in a neutral country like Saudi Arabia, like we've just seen recently? Yeah, I, I think that there would be that they would put out to tender um, uh, for for a host to take place. And you can imagine... So it would be like a World Cup, basically, then. It would be over four weeks and qualifying and... That's right. And I oh, think, okay. I think you, would, you would qualify automatically through, your, um, through the Champions League, through the, the Copper America and things of that nature. So it would be very lucrative for the club. So the clubs sure. aren't opposed to it in principle, but they're also aware that I mean, if, if you think about what... Uh, 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 Jurgen Klopp said recently about about an expanded cup competition. I think his word was one word, and that word was bollocks. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and I think he summed that up fairly well because you cannot fit into the existing calendar that number of additional fixtures and um, without having uh, increased burnout from players. And I know people say players uh, are paid well. They're also athletes. They're also very elite athletes. Um, and there, there would be repercussions in terms of the fitness and health oh, of the players. Well, I, th- I think it was interesting as a physiologist talking, uh, I think it was, the f- it was like the f- two weeks ago, some, no, last week, but there was some strange... It was a day Palace drew Man City, but there was some really strange, dull games, a lot of nil-nils. And basically this guy's saying that's the result of all the Boxing Day New Year's games because you can't keep making these elite athletes. You wouldn't make Mo Farah run 10,000 metres every day in the final. He probably does it in training, but you wouldn't make him race every day. So it would be interesting to see whether the finances overcame the club's protection towards their players, wouldn't it, in that situation? Yes, but what what will happen is the clubs will go back and say, well, we don't want to play 60 to 70 games a season. We therefore are going to work out what's not lucrative for us. Carabao Cup, the the first thing. Um, It's already ludicrous that you've got a two-legged semi-final. I mean, that's one thing I would concede. But there, there is then talk, and I think Gary Lineker has been one of the, the people in favour of this, in scrapping fourth-round replays. Now, we're recording this on a Sunday, mm. um, uh, before the, the Tranmere versus Manchester United and before the, the Shrewsbury versus Liverpool fixtures. If those clubs both get draws and get an away fixture or a replay in the fourth round, that is season-changing. Yeah, that, that means that they can, that they can yeah, do yeah. an awful lot of work in the transfer market for the club's infrastructure and so on. So it is very much geared towards protecting the interests of the Premier League clubs. The final thing to go, and again, we have spoken about this before, is that nobody's interested in Bournemouth versus Watford. Nobody's interested in in a number of fixtures um, in the Premier League as far as the TV audience is concerned. Now, as far as the individual fans are concerned, it's, it's just as important a match. So therefore, 
slimming down the Premier League to 18 or 16 teams is something which would be on the radar of the big clubs, but expect a lot of resistance from the other clubs. Uh, we should also say that the FA have categorically stated that they're not going to scrap replays. They? they said there's no plans to scrap fourth-round replays at the moment. At the moment. Yeah, I, think, okay. I think that's the key word. Now, finally, uh, and we sort of cleared the decks a little bit for this because it's, the, it's the, a big story. I almost feel sorry for Ed Woodward because... That poor man's ears have literally been burned off because everyone, it's been the last couple of weeks, every chat show, every phone show, every football show has been talking about Ed Woodward. People have been very vocal, you know, Ian Wright on Five Lives last week saying, why is this guy in a job? Man United, ex-Man United players saying, you know, this, the squad's terrible, Rio Ferdinand criticising everyone. So the question is, and we are recording this just before the second leg of the League Cup final, so it might even be a redundant question, I doubt it. Should Ed Woodward still be in the job? I mean, can you, as a financial expert, make a case for him doing well? Ed Woodward has delivered profits for the Glazers. Ed Woodward has delivered... For the Glazers, is that different to delivering profits for Man United? Well, ultimately... The Manchester United is owned uh, by the Glazers, right, so okay. if Manchester United makes profits, then, then the Glazers yeah. um, are financially rewarded. Uh, Ed Woodward, the former investment banker, has made £800 million in interest for the banking community, so they think uh-huh. he's done a great job. Um, Ed Woodward... The on, I've created a lot of interest over the years for the banking industry. That's, <laughs> not necessarily deliberately, but that's not... Also for the VAT and the inland revenue industry, so that's not necessarily a good thing, is it? Um, well, as, as a taxpayer, th- thank you very oh, much, yeah, Kevin. Course, yeah. Yeah, I, I, we're all delighted. Yeah, but the reason he's made it interest for them is because they've borrowed such huge sums of money, haven't they? So they, they, They've borrowed such huge sums of money whilst they've still got £300 million in the bank. Yeah, that's that's one of the bewildering things about uh, I think we, we all know that. The, the time the banks start offering you money is when you've got money, yes. which is always a ludicrous situation. When you haven't got money, they won't lend you anything. Get money, yeah, you can have more. And it's the same on a bigger level for them, isn't it? Yes, very much so. So they they, they have paid huge sums of interest out. Um, if, if you go to Old Trafford, Old Trafford is tatty. Yes, this has been a, a recurring theme of yours for quite some time. And people are agreeing with you. But your, your point being that it doesn't matter because so many people are there for one game and one game only. Yes, uh, but if, 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 you, if you talk to regulars, you know, and I've got loads of mates who, who still, who still grow, go, they, they say, we're still playing... We're still paying large sums of money to, to watch matches at Old Trafford. Mm. Um, the facilities aren't great, and the football isn't great either. Now, but then you hold, you say, well, hold on. Um, you know, we everybody knows which football clubs we both support. Mm. Would we be unhappy at being fifth in the Premier League in the knockout rounds of the Europa mm. League, in the semi-final of the League Cup, and the fourth round of the FA Cup? Eighty-seven sets of fans in, in, in the football in this country would say, I'd, I'd bite your arm off for that. Well, it, it's interesting. I was at West Ham yesterday with some friends for the fourth round FA Cup game. Uh, terrible, terrible game. And they're all complaining about the stadium. So one friend of mine said, if we were third in the Premier League, there would be no complaints about the stadium. And it's probably the same with uh, Old Trafford. If United were going head-to-head with Liverpool, they wouldn't be moaning about facilities. But I, I, think, it's, I think it's odd. People listen to this around the world, as we know. People in Singapore, for example, will be shocked to hear that the facilities at Old Trafford are not up to standard because immediately you associate Old Trafford with with gold standard, don't you? So is this just a lack of investment or 
the investment has gone into the hospitality the, the, suites. Oh, uh, okay, it's gone okay. into conferencing. Um, as far as the regular Joes are concerned, it's cram them in as tightly as possible. Um, and the, the view, if you're in the top tier of the Sir Alex Ferguson stand, it, it's you're a long way away from from the pitch, and, and it's a it's a very steep angle. Um, so, I think the view is that. Whilst it's good that you can get more fans in from at Old Trafford, and nobody begrudges that, the view isn't great, um, and and you are uh, in a very restricted space. So back to Ed Woodward then, and how we judge whether he's doing a good job or not. It, it, the playing side of it is not down to him. You know, the, it, essentially, he will choose the manager, he will cough up the money for transfers, but he isn't managing the team. So if the team were to slip down to 12th, 13th, 14th place, that's not his Really, not his fault. So, in terms of it keeping his job, how is his success judged? Is it if he carries on making these profits for the club, will they keep him in the job? Is, is there anything in it for them to get rid of him? And if they do, what sort of person do they get in to replace it? Well, you're going to have to get a chief executive who is familiar with running a football club. Now, now he and came, one that size as well. That's right. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, you're, you're fishing in a relatively small pool. Um, I, I think the issue has been that since the uh, since Sir Alex retired, there has been a vacuum. Um, Manchester United was a dictatorship yes. uh, under Sir Alex, and that and dictatorships as, work as Arsenal was under Wenger. That's right. Yeah, and then yeah. then you have a vacuum. Um, Edward Wood wants to make sure that he he can get his views across. Other people are trying to do the same. There's a bit of a bun fight. Um, if you take a look at the budget, have the Glazers supported the succession of managers since Sir Alex retired? I've been through all of the big six accounts since they, they retired. Manchester United has spent more money on transfers. Manchester United has spent more money on wages since 2013. Okay. So has the money been spent? Yes. Has the money been spent? Well, I think you can question that. Di Maria, Pogba, Lukaku. Yeah. I mean, you can list out Alexis Sanchez. I mean, yeah, Manchester yeah. United is still still paying £200,000 a week for Sanchez to be playing in Italy because he's gone out on a loan, loan transaction. Well, the eyebrows are getting the work out again. They're paying him, they're still paying him £200,000 a week. They're paying him two hundred grand a week. So he, who would have signed off on that deal? Woodward? Yes. And I don't know if you know the answer to this question, and normally if I was asking about somebody else's salary, I would tell myself it was not my business, but how much is it Ed Woodward getting from Man United Football Club for doing this? He's getting around about £3 million this year, um, and that was it was £4 million the previous year. Is, so, this, is this salary? Is it bonus-related? Is it? Uh, well, there, there, will be, um, there will be what we refer to as share options, which right. means that if the share price uh, goes up, then he, c- he can cash in on shares. Um, but what we're also seeing at United is that there is a um, there appears to be a media campaign to support him, to support him, to support him from within the club. From well, uh, just over a week ago, um, Neil Ashton has been know. reported Palace, Palace fan, yeah, Palace fan, right? He yeah. is now the the PR director or the PR guru. So he's gone across from being at the Sun to uh, being the PR director at Manchester United. The first thing you then see is a story in the mail. Two days later, Ed Woodward's doing a great job. Manchester United are now worth um, $5.7 billion, according to this story in the paper. I go and check the numbers. 
Yes, I see. I just read it. You, <laughs> you, you so, follow. Yeah. So I, I work out. Well, I work. I know what the share price is. I know the number of shares. I, I go to. I go to Google Finance. Yahoo Finance. Manchester United are worth three point three billion. So this this story does appear to be fact free in the mail. Surely, I know. Surely not. Really. And, and then on um, uh, was it Wednesday night when United were playing um, and, and they were losing at home to Burnley. Yes. There, there were songs being sung from the terraces. Mm. Now I, I wouldn't do it myself, but football is panto for adults, and sometimes yes. <laughs> sometimes they act like yeah. they act a bit daft. It wasn't racist. It wasn't sexist. It was. It wasn't. It, it wasn't songs that I, I would encourage people to sing. But we've we've got a book at Brighton called "Build a Bonfire," which is about our former owners. Yes, yes. And it's it's not complimentary. The rest of the lyrics. Um, but all of a you sudden, you amaze me that a song that starts "Build a Bonfire" doesn't end up being complimentary. But <laughs> crack on. <laughs> But all of a sudden, Ian Dennis, the, the BBC Radio 5 commentator, saying these songs are disgraceful about Ed Woodward. And then yesterday, there's an article in The Athletic saying, well, you know, wishing somebody death at a football match is, isn't, isn't on. And these are coming from journalists. So could it be that yeah. these journalists are now being briefed by Neil Ashton saying, look, you, know, you owe us a few favours from over the years. Sure. Uh, go, go easy on Ed. Do I... Edward Wood's a nice bloke, by, yeah. by, the, by the way, because I know people at United. He's a nice guy. Yeah. And nobody particularly wants to hear these things. United fans are unhappy. The problem has been with the quality of recruitment. Yeah. So whoever ultimately is responsible yeah. for that is the person to whom fingers should be pointed. I have to say, knowing Five Live as I do, I, I imagine the conversation would be more along the lines of not wanting to lose access to players, etc., which is why they would have commented on it, rather than being having received an email from Man United to say, or Neil Ashton to say, can you comment on this? Basically, right. that's how Five Live works. But and also, you know, most broadcasters are very sensitive to distance themselves from what they're hearing, what people are hearing on the airwaves. So I don't think there'd be anything sinister there. But I think the, the fact that Neil Ashton's gone there is very interesting. But we we do need to wrap up. So your instinct would be that this time next year we're still having the Edward Wood conversation, or United will. Moving on. I I, th- I think Edward Wood will still be there because he knows how the club runs. They've still not got a director of football. They've got a relatively new manager. The last thing you want if you're running any business is to have a wholesale change of people who are making the decisions at the top. Well, uh, Man United fans, I'm not sure how you're going to take that the, the bombshell. Um, the Price of Football is Adaptive Production. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, as usual, this the other bits that Guy always puts, as well as saying, hello, Kieran in block capitals it's please ask for reviews in podcast app so please review us in the podcast app and send in your questions with questions of priceoffootball.com questions at priceoffootball.com even uh, and you'll hear some of those when we're back with you on Monday bye 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 the price of football I'm for the